Good morning, everyone. So you made it in without getting melted. That's good. <laughs> Will you stand? Okay, it's gloomy outside, but let's don't bring that in here, okay? We're here to worship our Savior. Let's sing the only name that matters. Just 
up in the land of glory with the saints i will tell my story there will be one day awesome awesome thank you so much worship team good morning Capital church family how's everyone doing today Good, good. Can I get a thumbs up at least? Because I know not everyone's just like wide awake. I get it. It's fine. We have an amazing coffee bar. Amazing. Amazing. So go hit up some of that before church really gets started. But man, it's so good to see you guys today. Thank you so much for being here this morning. It is awesome to have you. We've been praying for you all week. And we know that God's got something awesome in store for us today because we're on mission. We're on mission, and uh, we're really going to see the kingdom shine, and we're going to do a, a, a big part in that here in Fort Smith. So we hope that you're ready for an awesome word from uh, Brother Will today from the Lord and, uh, and are excited for what's going on. We have a lot going on here at Kavanaugh. We want to make sure that you know all about it, especially for those of us, for those of you who are new here today, want to welcome you as well. There is a little connect card in the chair back in front of you if you could fill that out, um, and we would love to get to know you and your family, tell you all about our church and, and what's going on here during the week. So you take that connect card after service out these back doors. There's a connect station there. Um, turn it in there and then we'll give you a, a gift from our church and uh, be able to tell you where you and your family could plug in. But it's awesome to see you guys. We're so thankful for you that you're here today. And we, again, we know that God has something special in store for us today. I invite you all to stand and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services. Let's do it. Lord, we love you, and thank you so much for bringing us all back together, God. I pray that our fellowship has been sweet with one another, and I pray that our time with you is even sweeter. Lord, we know that you have something for us today, God. We want to be on fire for you. We want to be that people that is really branching out and making an impact in the lives of others. So, Lord, and, uh, encourage us, strengthen us, and help us to do just that. Thank you for being here today. Help us to find you and to be able to connect with you in the way that you, that you want us to, God. And as Brother Will preaches the message, God, uh, speak boldly through him, but then help us to be able to listen, God, because again, your word is precious to us and we want to take it all in as much as we can. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Greet those around you and we'll uh, get started in a couple of moments. Every chain, oh God, you have done great things. 
I'd come I confess Bowing here I find my rest And without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Lord, I Temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. pray. Dear God, we love you so much. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, the grace that is more than enough to cover our sins. Lord, all we must do is ask that you forgive us. And Lord, you will. Lord, we thank you for this place that we can come to worship you. Together, together with those who believe like we do and 
Lord, just bind together and worship you. Lord, I pray that as Will brings the service and brings the message to us today, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open and, Lord, that we will hear the word that you have for us today. Lord, I thank you so much for for dying on the cross for our sins to make a way for us to be with you in heaven. Lord, I ask and pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. all the people said. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, praise team. Good to have you here today. God bless you for coming on this rainy day. I I worry about some of you when it's raining because I'm afraid from your car to the church you're going to melt, but uh, that's a compliment because you're so sweet. All right. Hey, we're on mission at Kavanaugh Church. I've been preaching a series of sermons entitled On Mission. This is sermon number five, and today we're going to talk about building bridges. If you are in a C group, you know the lesson from last week. And as I taught my C group on Tuesday morning, uh, right in the middle of it, I thought to myself, you know what, you, you need to preach on this Sunday morning. So those of you who have already studied your C group last week, you know what passage I'm going to today. It is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It is found in Acts chapter 8. We'll get to that in a moment. Here is my statement for this morning. You will see over and over on the screen. In fact, I want you to read this out loud with me. Are you ready? One, two, three, let's read it. God loves to position his people to speak with people that he has prepared. Okay, here's what I know. There are people that God is going to allow you to connect with this next week. It's going to be a divine encounter. There is going to be a divine intersection between their life and your life. And I know right now God is preparing their heart. They're going through some stuff in their life. They're asking questions. They're seeking the truth of God. And they need someone to explain the truth of God to them. That's where you come into play. God is going to position you in such a place to answer their questions and lead them to Jesus Christ. In short, you are needed. So put a big smile on your face and let's open up our hearts to the Word of God this morning. We have been learning in our On Mission series from the book of Acts that God has charged us with going with the gospel to both our neighbors and the nations of the world. We see this clearly in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And as I read this verse, listen for the word and. Here's what Acts 1, 8 says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses for me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. And in our story today, we're going to see how Philip was positioned to proclaim the gospel to someone who literally came from the ends of the earth. So let's turn over to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to discover the three different phases of real person evangelism. So before I read from Acts chapter 8, verse 26, let me tell you what's going on in Acts chapter 8. Well, let me just back up to Acts chapter 7. Is that all right? There was a man named Stephen who preached a fiery sermon, and it did not set well with the religious leaders of his day. In fact, they hated not only what Stephen said, they hated Stephen. And so they drug him out of town, and they took off their coats, their garments. They laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, who consented to what they were doing. And they picked up rocks and literally stoned Stephen to death. And like I say, there was a young man standing there who had their cloaks and their robes and their coats in his hand and at their feet. His name was Saul. And we see this young man, Saul, in the very next chapter, chapter 8, beginning to persecute those who were of the faith. He started persecuting Christians. He was a Jew, a Pharisee, well learned in the Old Testament law. And he thought he was doing God a favor by stopping this thing called Christianity. So for the first time, the Christians in Jerusalem are being persecuted to the point where they have to leave town. And we pick up reading about that in chapter 8, verse number 4. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Philip, underline that name, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And why wouldn't there be? I mean, the power of God is being seen. Miracles are being performed. People are being healed. Demons are being kicked out. Folks are being saved. It is a real revival that's happening in Samaria, Samaria, and one of the key players is this guy named Philip, okay? You can go home and read the middle part of the chapter. Really cool, interesting story takes place there, but now we pick up in verse 26. It's our passage for today. Here's what it says. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, same Philip that we just read about in verse 5 who is in Samaria in the middle of a revival. Here's what the angel says to him in 26. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Does that sound Gaza? We've been hearing about Gaza, haven't we? This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The Spirit told Philip, 
go and join the chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this, and it is Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shears, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Then the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went on his way, what's that word? Rejoicing. And why wouldn't he be rejoicing? His life has just been changed. He has become a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old is taken away, and behold, everything for this eunuch has become new. He was a seeker who found what he was looking for. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would open our hearts and help us to find what we're looking for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at these three phases we see in Acts chapter 8. The first is positioning. Did you know that God's timing is always right? God is always on time. Look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. It is a desert place. So Philip is told, get up and go. The word go means to depart, to go forward. It implies movement. I was curious as to how many times the word go is found in the Bible. And so after a quick search, I discovered it is found there 1,700 times. The Bible says to go. Here are just a couple of those examples. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I told the first service, I, I listened to one of my favorite preachers this week on, on a podcast preaching from this passage. It is amazing to me that, that Abram would give up everything that he knew, his home, his, his family, all of his possessions, and do what God said to do was just to go. He didn't tell him where he was going or what he was going to do when he got there. He just said, go, and Abram went. I wonder, do I have a concrete faith like that? Another time the word go is used is found in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, 
and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. I want you to write this down. Write down the word gospel and look at gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. The first two letters of the word gospel spell go. If we're serious about the gospel, we're going to go with the gospel to those who need to hear it. Now, the angel could direct Philip, but the angel could not do what Philip was called to do, and that was to witness to this Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was told to leave Samaria and go toward the south on this road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. In the Old Testament, Gaza was the capital of Philistia, the home of Israel's greatest enemy, the Philistines. It was the last settlement before the desert that stretched all the way down to Egypt. And by direct route from where he was in Samaria to this road in Gaza, it was a 48-mile journey through steep mountain passes and hilly country. Yet despite the poor prospects for a convert on the road to Gaza, Philip resold his sandals and he headed south. I love it. He is told to leave a place of blessing to go to a barren place. Now, I wonder if Philip, because I know I would have been wondering this, would have rather stayed where God was bringing revival instead of going to some place that was so remote. I mean, Lord, what are you doing? People are being saved here. Miracles are being performed in Samaria. You want me to leave all of these blessings and go to a barren place? You know, so far in the book of Acts, we have seen crowds of people being converted. That's what's happening in the early part of this chapter, converts in Samaria. But now we're going to see the lengths that God would go to save one person, from the multitudes down to one man who literally was from the ends of the earth. Philip was willing to leave a public meeting to help an individual find peace in a private place. So where did he go? This desert place. The desert place was desolate, deserted. That may be describing where you're at in life right now. Because some of you came into this room this morning and it's like you're in a desert place. But I want you to remember this, God has not deserted you in the desert. He's positioned you where you are for a purpose. And if God wants to move you, then he's going to make that clear to you. We see Philip's unquestioned obedience in verse 27. He just got up and went. He rose up and went. God said, go, and Philip got up and went. What Philip didn't know was God had prepared somebody to meet him in the desert. Verse 27 continues. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So here is a guy who is not from Jerusalem, Judea, or Samaria. Literally, he is from the ends of the earth. Then it was common to think of Ethiopia, which was all of Africa south of Egypt, as literally the end of the earth. Eunuchs, by and large, most of them were castrated males. 
They often served in positions of power, and so did this one. He was the Secretary of Treasury for the entire Ethiopian country. He served under Candace, the queen. It got me to thinking, if Philip had not started out, if Philip had not taken that first step, he would have never met this man who was spiritually searching for God. The Ethiopian had traveled some 1,200 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. It, it would have taken him probably up to five months to get there, and he went there searching for something. Now he is on his way home. Verse 28 tells us what this man was doing. He was returning, sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now here are some things we can assume about this guy. Number one, he's a seeker. He's looking for something. There was this huge hole in his heart. And he had tried everything there was in this world to fill up that hole. I mean, th this is a man of means. He is a man of power and of position. He could have anything he wanted, but he was still empty on the inside. Did you know God made you that way? All of us have been made that way. There's a, there's a hole in our heart, and the only thing that can fill that hole is God himself. And so he's searching for it. He had heard about this one true God, the almighty God. He, he had heard that people who love him and serve him live in Jerusalem. And so he started this long trip, 1,200 miles, from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to find God. I don't know, I'm just imagining this, but I think he was a little disappointed when he got there. Why? Because Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 1 prohibits a eunuch from entering the Lord's assembly. So even though he traveled 1,200 miles to get to Jerusalem, he couldn't even get to where he wanted to go. He couldn't meet with the people of God. He couldn't hear the Word of God read. He couldn't assemble with the children of God. He was prohibited from being there. Maybe he saw all of the ritual and the hypocrisy and the dead orthodoxy of Judaism, and yet he is still seeking the truth that is found in the Word of God. No doubt he was a man of means because he was reading a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. That would have been very difficult to come by, and if you did get a hold of one, it would have been very expensive. And so here he is, a seeker, somebody who's looking for God. Did you know those people are all around us? Jesus said, look into the fields. They are white unto harvest. By that he meant this. There are people out there that God, God is working in their hearts. They're hungry for God. They're looking for spiritual insight. They're looking for that connection of God. The fields are white unto harvest. God says the problem is I don't have enough people who are willing to go out there and be the speaker for the seeker. Sometimes I wonder how many opportunities I've missed simply because I've not been willing to take that first step. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a phone call, the Holy Spirit 
told me to call somebody and I just got too busy and I didn't call them. Maybe, maybe it was a meeting that I was supposed to go to and I, I just didn't attend. Or maybe it was that day I was driving down Cary Lane, my street, and one of my neighbors was, was out front working in their yard and the Holy Spirit said, we'll stop and talk to him. I said, but Lord, I'm late for where I'm going and I kept on driving. Maybe it was failure to smile at that person who was struggling at the supermarket. Listen to me, church. God is going to position us exactly where he wants us to be when we obey his promptings. Don't ignore those gentle nudges from the Holy Spirit. Don't say, why in the world am I in this situation? Why did that happen to me that I am right here now? No, there is no happen chance in the kingdom of God. You're on a divine mission. God has put you in that situation with that person. You're thinking, why in the world am I talking to this person? Well, it's because God brought you together. Here's my thesis again up on the screen. God loves to position his people to speak with people that he has prepared. And that brings me to clue number two, proximity. The reason for God's timing is always redemptive. Our God loves lost people, and our God wants to save those who are lost. And so every divine appointment he gives us is for a redemptive purpose. Notice verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. Back in verse 26, it was an angel who gave Philip a message. Now it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to Philip and says, go and get close. And I think his desire for us is the same thing. He wants us to get close to people. This is an amazing act of sovereignty because, because we see how God knew exactly when to send Philip down that road to Gaza and to arrive in the desert road at the precise moment this Ethiopian was traveling, reading what he was reading. You know what we could call this? A divine intersection. A divine appointment. Step one is to rise and go. Step two is to go over and join. That's what the Holy Spirit says, go over and join him. This is an imperative command, which means to cleave to, to glue or cement oneself. Philip was to go and get close to this man and not let go. Literally what it means is this, give yourself to this man. Hang on tenaciously until your mission is accomplished. Big time out right here. So what one person can you get close to this next week? Identify right now in your mind. Say, say Holy Spirit, show me. Show me. Show me who I need to get close to. What family member, what neighbor, what co-worker, what acquaintance can you determine to stick with until they come to Jesus Christ? You see, God doesn't tell Philip anything else besides go and get close to this Ethiopian. And I think right now God is saying that to you. You, you need to glue yourself to someone who is lost. I'm telling you that person right now. God is giving you their name. You're seeing their face in your mind. God wants you to get close to that person. 
Verse number 30, we read, Philip ran to him. After the Holy Spirit said, go, he ran. I taught this in my C group on Tuesday morning, and that's when I told my guys, this is how I know that Philip was a young man. Because he ran. His obedience was immediate and enthusiastic. It takes my mind to Psalm 119.32, which says, I will run in the way of your commands. Philip is living out Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, which says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Philip knew this, this was a divine assignment from God. He was on mission with God. And so when the Holy Spirit said, go, I mean, he ran. I've always liked Joel Aldrich's definition of evangelism. Here's what he says. Evangelism is what spills over when we bump into somebody. Have you bumped into somebody lately? Are you near enough to non-Christians for the fullness of your Christianity to spill over into their lives? Have you come upon anyone this past week who had a hurting heart and you just decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to stay with this person, I'm going to connect with them, and I'm going to share the good news with them? I wonder how many times we short-circuit what God wants to do simply because we're not spending enough time in proximity to non-believers that God has already positioned to come into our lives so that we could share with them. Maybe it's because these people make us feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's because we've already determined in our mind that they are our enemy. Or maybe it's just the, the busyness of our lives. We just don't think too much about them. But there it is. The reason you're... Big picture. I like big pictures, don't you? The reason when God saved you, the reason he left you here and didn't just zip you up into heaven is because he's got something for you to do. We're supposed to be on mission for him. Jesus came to seek and to save lost people. And that's what you are to do. So God is just saying, hey, connect with lost people. We, look, look at me, church member. We need to break out of our holy huddles and get back out into the real world where we can connect with non-believers and tell them the love of Jesus Christ. I got a good cowboy shooting friend here with us, came up from, from Texas. Good to see you, Guns. He's with us today. The re- I tell my church all the time, the reason I shoot cowboy It's not because I like to shoot guns, which may be a stretch, but it's my point of connection with people in the real world who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Philip was in close proximity, he was able to hear this man. And what did he hear? The Bible says he was reading the prophet Isaiah. When we're not near non-Christians, we miss the cues, the signals that they send out. We may not hear them read the literal word of God, but you know what? If we listen, they're, they're sending signals to us. They might say to something to us about their marriage or about their health issue or about their kids or about their family. 
It, it, it might be a young person who, who tells you something that makes them sad, or a woman who may talk about work problems or even ask questions about death. We're not going to hear that unless we're near them. And that's where we need to spend our time. God doesn't want us to obey Him slowly when He prepares us and positions us so we're in proximity to non-Christians. He expects us to run when the Holy Spirit nudges us and tells us to speak. He wants sold-out Christ followers who take great pleasure in wholehearted obedience to God. So it brings me back to my, my thesis on the screen. God loves to position His people to speak to people that He has prepared. The result of God's timing is always remarkable. We move from positioning to proximity to number three, proclamation. When Philip heard the man reading Isaiah, he took the initiative and asked him a question. We read this in verse 30. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, there's a play on words here that expects a, a negative answer. Do you really understand? Are you picking up? Do you understand? Do you know do you know what you're reading? Have, have you got any idea what you just read? It's always a good idea to follow the model of Jesus and Philip and just ask people questions. That's how we can segue into the gospel. Just, just ask them questions. You say, well, what question do I ask? Well, it depends on the situation you're in. But I believe that if the Holy Spirit has led you to this person, he's going to give you a question you can ask them. I can remember reading in a book out of the salt shaker, Rebecca Pippard says that good evangelism is 60% asking questions, 30% building intrigue, and only 10% sharing the gospel. You've got to open the door with them, and a good way to do that is just ask questions. Um, I'm old, okay, you, you know that by just looking at me, but I can remember going through a course called Evangelism Explosion. Anybody remember that? Anybody? A couple of people in first service remembered Evangelism Explosion. Well, I must be a lot older than the rest of you. It, it, was, a, it was a plan to lead people to Jesus Christ, and there were two questions that you were to ask people, one or the other question. The first question is this, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? That's an intriguing question, isn't it? I always had a hard time asking people that question because I, I kind of thought, if I'm asking them that question, they're, they're wondering, is he about to kill me? So the second question is the one I always use. When you die and you're standing before God and he asks, why should I let you into my heaven? What are you going to say? Not a bad question. It certainly allows you to present the gospel. Hey, what about this? Why not just asking them, hey, what do you believe about heaven? Do you believe in heaven? What does it take to get to heaven? That's not a bad question, is it? Because it allows you, C group member, to pull out your little ABC pen and start to clicking. How do you go to heaven? Well, it's not that difficult. It's as simple as 
ABC. Here's one more question which almost always gets a positive response. When someone is expressing some sadness or sorrow that I can detect or maybe some worry, I'll often ask them, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Sometimes when I go to a restaurant and the, the, the waiter or the waitress brings our food out, I'll, I'll say to them before they leave the table, hey, I'm about to pray a blessing on our food. Could, could I pray for you? Is there anything I could pray for you about? I've asked that question hundreds, if not thousands of times. In church, there have only been two times someone has told me, no, I don't want you to pray. One of them was a cowboy shooter that I met in Kansas. He told me all these bad things that were happening in his family. I said, dude, man, I'm so sorry about that. Do, do you mind if I pray with you about those things? And he said, no, I don't want you to pray. So on those two occasions, I said, well, I respect that. But I want to tell you this, I'm still going to pray for you. Hmm? Hmm? In verse 31, the man responds to Philip's question by asking him, well, how can I understand unless someone guides me? So Philip asks him a question, and he responds, well, how, how can I unless someone helps me? The word guide means to bring out. The, the man recognized he needed some assistance, so he invited Philip to come up into the chariot and to sit with him. And so Philip came up into the chariot and sat down with him. And now I want you to check out God's perfect sense of timing. At the exact time Philip came over, this Ethiopian was reading from Isaiah chapter 53. I can remember as a little boy in Midland, my preacher preached on this. And he said, I can still remember this, he said, the reason Philip ran to the chariot is that he heard him reading from Isaiah chapter 53, and he wanted to get there before he got into chapter 54. That's a pretty good reason, because Isaiah chapter 53 is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. He had just read verses 7 and 8 out loud. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. That means he would have just finished reading verses 5 and 6, which says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we have been healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's all about Jesus. The prophet Isaiah is talking about the coming Messiah, Jesus. Philip's ready for the next question in verse 34. The Ethiopian eunuch looks at him and says, I ask you, about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And the eunuch is eager for an answer. And I love verse 35. It says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus Christ. The key there is that he opened his mouth. That word is used of taking a cover off of a treasure chest. 
Notice Philip knew his Bible well enough to start with this scripture and move to sharing about the good news of Jesus. I told my C group on Tuesday morning, and I think I've told you this before, you do not have to be a Bible scholar. It's not required that you are a Bible scholar to win somebody to Jesus. You don't have to be a Bible college graduate or have a seminary degree to lead somebody to Christ. You do need your own story, your own testimony. And you do need to know enough Scripture to lead them through the Word of God. That's why in our C groups, we are learning the ABCs of salvation. Those little pen, ABC pens. What are the ABCs of salvation? To go to heaven, it's as simple as A, admit. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, believe. Believe that those who call on the name of Jesus are saved. And C, confess. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you are saved. We need enough Bible understanding to be able to take them through the Word of God, but it's not required that you be a Bible scholar. Our gospel presentation needs to start where people are, but make sure that it ends with Jesus. Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher. It's reported that he said one time, on Sunday mornings, I will take my text from the Bible and I will make a beeline to the cross. In Acts 8.36, we see that this Ethiopian eunuch believed. He believed what Philip told him. Philip told him how to be saved. He told him that following salvation, you need to be baptized. How do I know that? Because here's what it says in verse 36. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And verse 38 tells us, he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Verse 39 indicates that baptism was by immersion since they came up out of the water. And verse 39 tells us then that the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. I don't, I don't know exactly how that happened. God, God has his, his ways of doing things, but all of a sudden Philip was there, and then the next moment Philip wasn't there. The eunuch saw him no more. But the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. It's interesting, in verse number 8, we read that there was much joy in the city of Samaria. Why? Because miracles were taking place. People were being saved. And now we see there is joy because one man got saved. There's joy in the Lord. And the end of verse 39, we discover that the Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because when somebody is touched by Jesus... There is joy that is birthed within them. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. We need to rise up and go. You need to rise up and go. Then you need to get close to and stick with the person God wants you to lead to the Lord. And then we simply open our mouths and talk to them about the treasure of Jesus Christ. Tradition tells us that this Ethiopian eunuch went back to his hometown, to the capital, 
And his very first convert, the first person he shared the good news of Jesus with was Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Now, guys, that's pretty cool. And it reaffirms to me this statement we've repeated over and over today. God loves to position his people to speak with people that he has prepared. And God is doing that right now. Right now as we speak, God is doing that. So let's, let's flesh this out. As I close today, let's flesh it out. Number one, by thinking of positioning. Think through how God wants to position you for his purposes. I want you to look for and expect divine intersections wherever you go this next week. In fact, here's, here's what I would challenge you to do. When you get up in the morning, pray this simple prayer. Lord, I want to be on mission with you. And dear God, I know that you're working in somebody's life. I know there's somebody out there that you're going to bring me in contact with today. Please, Holy Spirit, make me sensitive and urge me to open my mouth. Position me where you want me today. And then number two, proximity. You need to identify that one person God wants you to get close to, and you get close to them. Remember when I talked about this just a moment ago, whether it be a family member or a coworker or a neighbor or a fellow student? When, when I said that, I really believe God gave you a name. If he didn't then, I think he will right now when I ask you to think of somebody that you know that is lost without Christ, without hope, somebody that is unchurched, who, who in your circle of influence do you know and that God is telling you right now, that's the one. Whoever it is, you need to get close to them. In fact, when you leave here today, why don't you text them, call them, talk to them, invite them out to lunch this next week. Say, hey, let's, let's get together and talk about life. Get close to them. And then number three, Determine that you're going to open your mouth and speak the treasure of Christ to them the next time you have an opportunity. And then would you do this, friend? Look at me. Would you bring all of that down to the altar and make a commitment to God that you're going to be a Philip or a Phyllis this next week? That you're going to look for that divine intersection, that you're going to get close to somebody that you're going to open your mouth and share the good news with. Then come pray about it. One last thing. There are two different people in our story today. There is a seeker and there is a speaker. Someone looking for the answers and someone who has the answers. Someone who is hungry for Jesus and someone who knows Jesus and is willing to speak Jesus. I think in this room right here, we've got both groups. We've got some seekers here today. It, it's not just by chance that you're here at Kavanaugh Church on this rainy, cold day. God brought you here. And if you've never had that hole in your heart filled, if you're still looking for what's missing, the answer is Jesus. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, to, today can be the best day of your life, man. 
We'll show you. Just come to the altar here in a moment and we'll help you be saved. If you're a seeker, you can find what you're looking for. The rest of you who have been saved, you're the speaker. You need to be telling those in your life the good news about Jesus. Why don't we pray about that this morning? Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would get our minds to thinking and our hearts burning for those that we know who are lost. Lord, position us this next week with lost people. Help us to have that divine encounter like Philip and this eunuch had. I pray, dear Lord, that, that, that we would get close to somebody who needs the Lord, that we would stick close to them until they get saved. And then, dear Lord, help us to have the courage just to open our mouth and speak of the treasure of Jesus Christ. Help us this morning to come and pray for those in our life who need Jesus. And dear Lord, if there's someone in this room who needs Jesus, may they come and find Jesus here. Lord, there are others here today who just need to come and pray. They need to come and talk to you. I pray that they would have the freedom to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? As soon as you stand up, just come onto the altar and pray with me, would you? Come. Whether it be for yourself or somebody else, you come right now. Lord, we do love you. Thank you for this amazing story in Acts chapter 8. Thank you for Philip's willingness to be used by you. 
And I thank you, dear Lord, for you working in the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch who was a seeker looking for God. Lord, I pray that we would take that Bible story and relate it to our own life. And I pray more than anything, dear Lord, we would become sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit tells us to get close to somebody and speak the word of truth and to witness to them, that we do it. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church and for these people. I pray a blessing on their lives and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. Thanks again for being here today. Appreciate you coming on a rainy, cold day. The rain's going to stop, but it's about to get cold. Who's happy about that? Okay, cool. You can't stop it, so you might as well enjoy it, right? If you're a church member, make sure you drop your offering off in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest, fill out that guest card, take it to the Connect counter. We'll give you a Chick-fil-A gift certificate for it. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. C groups are meeting this week. Uh, make sure you get plugged into your group. We worship signups are going on for 2024. That's happening out in the lobby. Uh, we need more volunteers for this new year to take care of our kids during this time of worship. Please do that. Look at me. Listen to me. Wednesday night, we're not having church inside this building. We're actually taking it to the streets. We're going into the parking lot, all right? It's going to be a literal trunk or treat event. Uh, Brother Johnny has asked all those who are willing to use your trunk of your vehicle, fill it up with candy. We're going to invite neighborhood kids, your kids, all kids to come by, give them a treat. The reason I know why he's doing it, Gal, I know why he's doing it on Wednesday. It's not just because that's our church night. It's, it's for you. It's a break for you. Why? Because on Wednesday morning at Walmart, candy goes on sale half off, all right? So there you go. Thank Brother Johnny for that. If you've not signed up to use your trunk for this great event of outreach for our church, uh, Miss Becky is going to be out in the lobby right over in this area. She'll sign you up. We would appreciate your help. That's going to be from 7 to 8 o'clock. If you're using your vehicle, make sure you're here at 6.30. They tell me time is changing, and I believe them. We are living in changing times, but literally it's going to change this next Sunday, so be ready for that. Church directories are here. I thought there'd be a standing ovation for that. They're in the back. Please, one per family, pick one up. Hope you have a great day. God bless you. Get out of here.